Jack Miles from Geek Links, and welcome to another fun, fact-filled episode of Two Geeks Talk Movies. I am your host, John, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Joanne. Hey. Hey there, so how have you been between podcasts? I've been really good. Hmm. Okay. okay. Don't think well, about that exciting that's happened. John's glass was only gay choir. The gay choir? It wasn't that fun, fun Dabian Dozy. Uh, well, me, I turned the uh, meaning of life and all existence 42, so yay. Yay! <laughs> anyway, enough of that. On to this movie itself. The uh, movie we're covering tonight is Copycats, coming out in 1995. Now, is this the first time you've seen this movie? Yes. Is it? Because I saw this way back in 96 when it came out on VHS, and I must have watched this about... 20 times since, you know. Wow. <laughs> I love this movie, it's just so... Mm. Mm. Sadly, however, this was lost in the pack of the Silence of the Lambs shuffle, with movies such as Seven, Kiss the Girls, Fallen, etc, etc. Mm. Because I think that this needs more more doing it actually gets. I mean, they say, like, oh, this is nothing about a Silence of the Lambs rip-off and Silence of the Lambs clone, but it's more intelligent than that, you know, it's not, not just one of these Nick at Night remake things, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't put that in the same category as Silence of the Lambs. I mean, as good as that movie kind of is, this is like, this is almost more, it's almost more than that, you know? Mm. Say that mm. right off the bat without giving away my overall view from, you know, um, I would say that is more than Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. there's Silence of the Lambs, uh, nods and winks, but what movie mm. didn't have Silence of the Lambs, nods and fucking winks in the 90s for crying out loud, I mean, um, exactly. this this kicked off the whole serial killer trend, mm. uh, well actually that's a lie actually, I think the uh, the f- Manhunter kicked off this, 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 uh, the serial killer trend, but, man, oh, yeah. uh, but Silence of the Lambs made it popular, you know, so, mm. um, this is actually one of Sigourney Weaver's favourite movies, and I read that, yeah. She loves this movie, unfortunately, mm. as I says, it got a bad rep at the time. But like I say, this needs another review. I mean, watch this thing and judge it for yourself. Fuck what the critic says 20 odd years ago. Watch it now and judge it yeah. for what it is now. I mean, for crying exactly. out loud. Exactly. I also read that Sigourney Weaver, she she even consulted with, um, what was that, so Forensic psychiatrist named Park Dietz. Dietz? Who you might know because you covered Dharma for one of your own podcasts um, to get. So she like she like consulted him and things um, mm. to help her get into the mindset of an agoraphobic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she also studied with the Agrophobia Society for mm. nine, nine or ten weeks or something like that. Yeah. So she was majorly pissing this, this thing tanked and got a bad rep and bad reviews. Definitely. I mean, this is what I don't like about critics. If they hit a movie, they will slander the fuck out of it and bury the fucking thing and then praise and hype some other crappy-ass movie. I mean, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. By the way, before, I, before we get into this thing, are you a fan of serial killers themselves? Well, fan is quite a, contra- a controversial word, sorry, to you when you're talking about seriously. I'm not going to deny that they do, you know, they do fascinate me. Like, how someone can be that evil does fascinate me, kind of, I have done. Um, and, you know, you'll have to look at my book collection at home to see the, ar- 
more than one that are related to serial killer and things like that. But mm-hmm. I, I, w- I wouldn't say I'm a fan of them because that's the wrong word to you. But I am more. It does intrigue me how people can be so be, evil and so uncaring yeah. and be so vicious can, and malicious. You know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Totally. This is this is Dissociate. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hard word to say with a list. Um but can totally disassociate from um you know reality and yes, the yes. most heinous things to each other. I mean what about you? How would you would you say you're not would you say you're in you're well in the nineties I was big into serial killers. <laughs> um and I mean I done lots of research on, on the, the big hitters. Um mm. but that sort of faded. Um, but this movie hit my sweet spot in 96. I also like the fact this has a lot of X-Files to this. You know, it has a lot of a vibe, heavy vibe of X-Files from this. And that, again, I hit my sweet spot because in 96, I was a fucking massive X-Files fan. <laughs> um, check out the bloody podcast on the covered. Mm. Oh, by the way, right, I may say to you, if you're a fan of serial killers, there's a podcast I listen to on and off called My Fruit Murder. Oh, uh, I... I listened to that already. Oh, right, right, okay. okay. <laughs> I find that kind of interesting, um, mm. but sometimes their politics are a bit much, which kind of annoys me, but... Mm. Yeah. Um, I also like the, the classical music soundtrack in this, you know, so... So do I. It's, yeah. uh, it's it, a different it way adds of to the mood. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. does, it does, it, it adds to the mood. Um, so I wasn't impressed with the whole... Um, the whole atmosphere they got going on with this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, just about this came out on this whole slew of Silence of the Lambs clones. There's a lumped in with a Silence of the Lambs clone. Because, um, like I said, I think this needs another view, you know? It needs yeah, definitely. It, it, it needs to be put on a different um, limelight sort of thing or, or pedestal. Definitely. I think if this would have been put out just before Silence of the Lamb, it wouldn't have got almost lost in that mix because mm-hmm. like you say it's almost like being lost to obscurity mm-hmm. um, so and it's a shame because for what the movie is it you know it's a it's a you know it's a it's yeah. a movie that has to be appreciated more than once i reckon mm-hmm. i mean i i reckon if this was released in say 93 94 mm-hmm then mm-hmm. this would have been given more of its due. But because it was released in 95, 96, it was lumped in with all these uh, inferior movies. You know, I mean, you've seen it. Some of these movies are quite good, like uh, Kiss the Girls is quite good. Mm. Um, and Seven's got its moments. But yeah. other, other ones are just fucking trash. So, yeah, because hmm. the subject matter is also similar. They're all just kind of put in the same mm. the same mix together. That's like, no, you need to look at these all differently and see that, you know, this compared to Seven and Kiss the Girl is a completely different standalone serial killer movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, what was the last great serial killer movie you saw? Ooh, now you're asking. Um... I can't actually remember. I don't think I can remember the last serial killer movie I saw. I mean, to me, that's an easy an easy answer. It's Zodiac. Yeah. Have you seen Zodiac? Not in about five years, no. Okay, so. okay. Even though that's a bit long-winded, it's what, two hours and 30 minutes long or something like that, it actually works and it's a quite a gripping movie. 
Mm. And it's as true to life as it was at the time of filming. Um, I think they found out what there was more than one killer for Zodiac. You know, so. hmm. Ah, okay. Right, let's go back to this one with its nuts and bolts in, shall we? So with its $20 million budget, this thing pulled in $32 Shockingly. I mean, that is outrageously low. That is. Uh, Starring Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, Dermot Mahoney, William McNamara, Will Patton, and ha- ha- uh, again, Harry Connick Jr. It's Henry Connick Jr. Harry <laughs> Connick Jr. <laughs> the plot in San Francisco, an, an agoraphobic criminal psychologist is pulled off retirement by a crazed serial killer obsessed with quote unquote golden oldie classic serial killers. Meanwhile, from prison, the serial killer that she helped put away is mocking her from his cell. With help from a wee inspector, can she save not only herself, but a kidnapped girl? I find out here. Actually, that last bit doesn't make any sense. I stole up but from IMDb, that last sentence. Um, What kidnapped girl? <laughs> because yeah, all the victims are all killed, so where the hell did that bit from? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Hmm. Some, someone's mistaken if we silence the lamb. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yes, I think somebody's fucked up the fucking diggy. So I get for stealing bits off IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about the poster for this thing or the cover art for the 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 um the DVD. Which version have you seen? Uh, the the poster I saw was of it's uh, so obviously Peter Faith when he's mm-hmm. looking at it on the screen and you can just see the refre- reflection mm-hmm. of Sigoni and Holly and his glasses. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, from the research I've done, there's three of them. There's the one you discussed with the blue uh-huh. face. There's a red-faced one with almost a good weaver and it getting choked. Um, and there's one with, like, Holly Hunter and a good weaver. And in the middle of it, it's like a chair for some reason. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, and OK. That's the three posters. I mean, I, I've got the, 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 the blue-faced one mm. with um, Weaver and uh, Holly Hunter in the eye sort of thing reflecting yeah that's the one i've seen mm. um i've also seen the blue face one where it's just the glass the glass and you can just oh, see yeah. the nothing yeah. reflected in it hmm. interesting it must be that alternative alternative poster then <laughs> uh so about i love the introduction of dr helen hudson played by scott weaver in this it's an extreme <laughs> close-up of her ruby red lips as she talks about male city killers wearing an iconic red skirt suit, which is important yep. for later on in the movie. I just love this thing. It's it's just so in your face. You know, I mean, you spend what, what was it, forty seconds to a minute just on her lips alone as she discusses serial killers, and I love the control she has over this audience. Yeah, it was quite intense, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, mm. yeah. Even though she must be crapping herself because she has armed police guarding her because she's getting death threats off of um the escaped was he actually escaped at a time or was he on the lamb on the run he was on the run okay okay Okay. i mean did did you spot that not only is daryl lee cullen the serial killer that's after her played by uh harry connick jr um but peter foley played by william mcnamara the wannabe serial killer is in the crowd watching this this speech yes but i think um Daryl Lee, Cullum and I want to say ghost but it's not, it's almost like a hallucination because one minute he's there and the next minute he's not. 
Well, I don't know, because how would you explain the fact she gets hung in the toilet by him a few minutes later? So, hmm. And I'm not going to lie, for about 25 minutes, I thought that opening scene wore her dream. Because the next time we see her, she's jumping out of bed looking for her uh, temple. And Tullet mentioned, like, at the 25-minute mark, that now she got a cock card. And I was like, went away back to the beginning. I was like, oh, shit, no, that really isn't a dream. So, mm. I, I mean, because uh, um, uh, the way it's shot, it's like one minute Daryl's there mm. watching it. And then she, like, blinks and looks at the same spot. And it's a completely different student. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's true. That's very true. I mean, like I, said, I watched this movie about 20 times and I didn't notice the, the today's viewing that Peter Foley is in the audience at the yeah, very exactly. first attack. So I'm going, oh, Karen, how long have you planned this this attack for then? You know, or are you just a chancer? Well, let's face it, she was doing a lecture on serial killer and he's obviously, we can use the word, he's obviously a very big fan of serial mm. killer. So why would he not be at a lecture on it? Get in, fair enough then, fair enough. So the toilet attack is our real instruction to Daryl Lee Cullen. Mm. And I love how manic Harry Connick Jr. plays him. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he got that uh, serial killer um, act down to a T, hasn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I did read that um, Harry Connick Jr. spent weeks mm-hmm. um, watching a serial killer documentary to get into his role. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I read that one also. Also, the mm. fact how he licks the sharp end of the edge of the blade with his tongue, I'm going, what yeah. sort of sick bastard licks the blood off using the sharp edge of the knife? And for crying out loud. Um, also, is that the team knife that's in Scream, by the way? Because it looks identical to the knife that's in Scream. It looks like it, doesn't it? Mm. I was thinking, is that not to Scream, but... Mm. So up pops the titles, and 13 months later, we see Dr. Hudson is now a pill-popping, alcoholic, agoraphobic nutjob. I mean, uh, I'm going, ooh, Karen. So I know she gets attacked and she's hung by the neck. She gets a, ki- a cop killed. Yeah. But would that literally knock you completely off off your perch sort of thing, off your rocker sort of thing? I mean... I am- I imagine it would definitely unsettle you if, yeah, if a serial killer almost succeeded in killing you and then to top that off, you had to watch someone die. I don't imagine that does your um, psyche. So. Yeah, but she's a trained psychologist. I mean, she should be able to deal with stress slightly better than just having enough written and go, fuck the world and, and just... Mm-hmm. I know, but she's shimming at the end of the day. No, well. that's true. That's, that's very true. That's very true. I mean, it was just something that seemed it was a bit, a little bit um, off to me. Yeah, I, I was, I was a bit shocked when she mentioned when she's like um, emailing someone on the computer. She mentioned that she'd been like there for thirteen months, and I'm like, yeah. that one episode caused you to take to your house for thirteen months. Yeah, I mean, you I can understand maybe three or four months, but 13 months, yeah, I mean, mm, that's a bit much to me. Yeah. I've got, I've got a human notes that Sigourney Weaver spent nine to ten weeks researching mm. agoraphobia, mm-hmm. and she was pissed off that this didn't get its recognition until later in years. That's now a cult classic. Yeah. But um, I just love how, in, when she has a panic attack, she has to name all of the US presidents in order to calm herself back down. I yeah. love this thing. I mean, I take it this is a 
a symptom of um, a panic attack. I take it as um, I, I do. I do have to say, Sigoni performing her like one of the most powerful things I've seen in a movie in quite mm-hmm. a while. You know, she really did get the character down. You know, the way she plays the whole you know, the whole coping mechanism to try and bring her out of her panic attacks and the way she, you know, she, she plays the whole, you know, that scene that the, quite near the beginning where she's like trying to get the newspaper and she's mm. doing everything and using the, the hem and that, it just, it, it, it had me like glued to my screen because I'm, I don't know if you're aware of this, but my, my late sister was extremely agoraphobic and watching her do all these little quirks just brought me straight back to when um, Donna was at a complete worst. So, right, so, mm, so it was, yeah, it was something. I mean, she wasn't for reciting president and mm. all that, but yeah. Mm. I mean... I don't have agoraphobia myself or don't have any social disorders that I know of. <laughs> um, but my partner does and still does to this day. And when we first met, he rattled off the periodic table and then do prime numbers. And it wasn't until the sixth date he felt comfortable telling me why he was doing this thing. Because I just thought it was like a a quirk, you know, which I guess it is a quirk. But yeah. yeah. It's sort of a, a coping mechanism, you know, survival mechanism, which I found... It's more about, yeah. I mean, I that's, mean, that's I impressive if you can rhyme off the periodic table menu. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always thought the whole um, panic attack thing was a, a, a rubber band on your wrist and you pulled it and it snapped it off and that was supposed to be a control mechanism, but I never yeah, heard of... I suppose we've all got a little quirk to help with things like that. Like, I've got really bad anxiety. I take for it, as you know, and have done for years. And part of my coping mechanism is, you know, I've got to always have headphones on me, even around the house, listening to music, because it just... It keeps me calm, especially when I can feel a really bad panic attack coming on. Then I mm. put both headphones in and you don't get a word out of me. Mm, okay, okay. Like I said, I've only had a panic attack twice, I believe. Once it was a Christmas and it was in the city centre and the place was absolutely bouncing and I just felt my heart pounding Mm. and I just could not like concentrate. It was like tunnel vision even. And it just hit me like that. I had to like stand off at the side of the the roads and sort of centre herself and it was kind of what the fuck is happening here I just came out absolutely nowhere and I have never had one since look at you I mean they are just they are they are worse than like you almost feel like with some that you're taking like a heart attack or something because they Mm. just and you feel like you can't breathe and that's it the world is ending so you don't mm. I felt like it was trapped once you get that feeling it's like trapped but then it started to get so weird and what the fuck mm. is happening here so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, wow. mm. anyway i love the fact that this show is chat rooms pre-msn and pre-aol all these chat rooms they're so um what's i looking for prehistoric yeah <laughs> mind you would seen that we've probably got some listeners going what the fuck's a chat room so We'll look it up, folks. But yeah, it was, it was good to see that almost little bit of nostalgia. Mm. I remember when they looked like that. Oh my God, I remember how I tried to play chess online. Like <laughs> to move the phone. Like, Jesus Christ. 
If I also, I wonder how much her electricity bill is because she has a bank of computers, at least four computers. She's yeah. got three TVs, multiple lamps, and mm. a metal window shutters all running at the same time. Plus, she has every single fucking light in the house on. What the hell's her electricity bill like? Oh my god. Oh my god. Finn actually, she is uh, a quite well off writer, so you know. Yeah, God. And does she does she own that entire complex? No, I think just that floor. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Fair not a hundred percent sure. Because I've, I've got to say, I love those metal shutters. They are so mm. cool. I love that. I love to have that. Just a perfect darkness. You just, just, just that shuts. You know. I mean, that'd be so. Oh cool. God, yeah. I'd love a set of them. Hmm. Mm. So on to our introduction to Mulder and Scully, oh sorry, M.G. Monaghan, played by uh, Holly Hunter, and Ruben Getz, played by Dermot Mahoney, Mahoney, even if I can pronounce his fucking second name. By the way, I was getting heavy Mulder and Scully from these two right off the bat, you know, even the first time I watched it, I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, she's even dressed like Scully. Yeah, not even her, but did you notice the um the TV reporter was like a copy and paste of uh, Gillian Anderson? No, I missed that, no. no. Oh, God, you have to go back and watch it just to see the little TV reporter on TV. Um, because I was, that was the first thing I was like, hold on a minute, that's, that's like copy and paste Gillian Anderson and it's same mm. hair. Same. Mm. I mean, I, I like the fact that uh, MG has a dash of starling about her also. Yeah, definitely. So it's, not, it's not just Scully, it's a bit, it's a bit of Scully also. Also, gets charms, quote-unquote charms, don't work on her. As she gives mm. him a hard time being a womanizer, and she's yeah. one of the boys. I love the fact how she takes no shit from anybody. <laughs> she just tells him Oh, shit. God, yeah. I, I was like rooting from her, for her from the beginning. I was like... Mm. Yeah, that's like my kind of woman doesn't take any shit from anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, the writer wrote it as a man, and it was supposed to be um, him and we were supposed to have another affair. But Scona's like, nope, I want a woman. Yeah. So she forced uh, a rewrite essence to to have it as a woman because she thought, why can't two women take on a serial killer? Why does it have to be a man to woman? I would say, why does it have to be a lovey lovey dovey shit? I mean, yeah. So I, I read that and I was like, that's quite interesting because they are still cut some undercurrent, I would say, of that, especially at the end. Like, you know, mm. a serial killer about, yeah, okay, it's someone you've been working closely with for, let's say, months, but a serial killer just through the other side of a, ro- a room and going to kill someone. Yeah, anyone with a quarter of a brain wouldn't run in there on their own. Yeah, she did. Yes, so, yes. There's a as I said, that's a pinch of starling there, just, just mm. edging out. I'm going, oh, that's a teensy bit too much. She's a, she's a fucking inspector, not a rookie. So that's yeah. a rookie move. I just thought that was just a, just a pinch too much starling. But that's, maybe that's just me. Whereas I picked it up as an undercurrent of the, the previous uh, plotline I thought they'd get rid of. Yeah, I suppose it would be. I suppose it would be. Like I said, to me, it, it just felt like that was one step too much. You know, they should have down about just a wee bit you know maybe, maybe yeah. if, if the lieutenant was there with them or her ex-boyfriend was there but to mm. have her charging in guns are blazing on her yeah. own was a bit much for me i was going that's a bit much to rookie move you know maybe if she was a like a beat cop and not a, an inspector but uh that sort of 
Starling silence in arms. Definitely, you do it a bit to add um, an inspector to know better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on to her partner, Ruben. And this guy is such a frat burrow. I mean, do you think she was put with him to soften him? Or was this just an x thing? Oh, I, I can't tell if it was, you know, too much like the X-Files, or like you say, just to try and, like, soften him up a bit. But, yeah, he just got on my last nerve anyway. It was just why he got through, why he got through the academy, I'll never know. Yeah, I mean, he's a womanizer, trigger mm. happy, wise-ass, much mm. like Mulder was in early season of X-Files. So I'm thinking... Yeah. Was she put with him to soften him, or was he put with her to soften her? Because I'm guessing he's a because he's always supposed to be what, about thirty. How yeah. did he become an inspector so quick? Yeah, you know, I mean. Hmm. Yeah, it was fast tracked for a reason. Eh? Yeah, yeah, like I yeah. say, it's, it's it's a boys' club. I'm guessing so. Hmm. I mean, that's why uh, MG is such a a hard ass. Definitely, she's got to try and fit in in a man's world. Hmm. So on to our real introduction to Peter Foley, played by Will McNamara, picking his victim, a jogger, at a local park, recording her running. And I'm mm. getting creeped the fuck out watching this. Even today, I've seen this movie about 20 or so times. That still gives me the fuck out. His creepy little grin, creepy little smile as he's recording these victims is just... Yeah, know. it kind of gave me a shiver down my spine that I don't ever want to repeat. Mm. I was like, okay, which is the sign of a good actor, let like, face yes, it, but yes. at the same time, I was like, yeah, that's a little bit too creepy. Mm. So we see these tech savvy using a state-of-the-art IBM and Photoshop. Mm. Well, tech savvy for 95. That's, I was thinking, yeah. could a computer 95 do this sort of what he's doing on this, this Photoshop stuff? I mean, that seems a bit too much with the whole morphing technology thing and the whole uh, making that um, video card thing he sends to Dr. Hudson later on in the movie, but I mean, that's, that's just my knowledge of, of computers being really poor. You know? My knowledge of um, early 90s computer is not the best because um, I was a child um, at the time. Um, so I'm not sure that they could do that. I suppose they could do some form of the Photoshop, but I don't know if it could would have been a state of the art or, or as easy as mm. what you could look. Mm. I mean, that's um, I didn't get taught to use a computer until 1998, you know, when Windows 98 first got launched. So this is before my, my knowledge. So there yeah, that I, I was in high school before I got taught to learn that, like first year of high school. So it would have been... 90, no, uh, yeah, it would have been about, it would have been about 2000, 2001 before I started to use a, you know, computer. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I'm not sure if the Photoshop was that technological advanced at 95, mm-hmm. but there we have it, some movies, so there we have it, I'm just giving it and, and run me a scenario. Oh. So, Cut to MJ and Ruben finding a body of a woman in a tub, strangled mm. with her own stocking, and burned at the stove, and then posed in the tub. Um, and I've also got to hear, why the fuck's that press behind the yellow tape? Is the yellow tape there to keep the press out? Out, absolutely. I mean, mm. 
And I love how MG tells the criminal photographer to take shots of the crowds because most serial killers like to watch the police work. Absolutely, yeah. It was a power rush for them. Uh, I think it was... uh, Was it Dahmer did that? Yeah. It was Dahmer and Gacy, I believe, Mm -hmm. actually watched the the police do their work. I'm like, okay then. And I think Son of Sam also. Yeah. He also... Uh Watch the, the the police do their do, do their works try to figure out who is what. So hmm, I mean I also like the fact that MG gets the truth out of uh, the patrol cop because she notices there's a piece of evidence missing and she's having none of it. Mm. So I'm going hmm. Although I've got down here also, she's right on the line of being too much. She's just a bit too cocky for my liking. You know they could have shaved her down just a just a teeny bit mind you saying that as I said earlier she's in the boys club so she has to be such a cocky uh, brat in essence you know to survive yeah um, maybe a little Kato she had to toughen up to fit to fit in at work but yeah I did get what you mean there were her, she did feel a little bit too overacted which mm. can tell I think down to the actress she's either trying to act She's either trying to act like the way um, an, an FBI inspector, female FBI inspector, would have had to behave to fit in at the time, or, you know, she's doing what she's told. And mm. oh, technically, they're not feds, they're just homicide detectives. Are they? Oh, yeah. okay. So they're not feds because the, the lieutenant got off his head when she phones the feds in. Oh, um, okay. So, hmm. Speaking of which, I love the fact how MG chews out her, her lieutenant, Lieutenant Quinn, played by G.E. Freeman, for removing the stalking evidence. Right, mm. so actually, because a fucking good defence lawyer would use be that. Be all over that. Yeah, yeah and, get it, and get it dismissed in court. So she's fucking right to cover her head saying, what the hell's the evidence, you bloody moron? How did yeah. you remove evidence? And his bullshit excuse was, oh, so we could keep the, keep the, um, uh, the information out of the press. Like, really? well, it's not, it's not going to be in the press unless any one of your, you know, detectives and inspectors get a big fucking mouth. So, mm. like, I don't know if it was just me, but did you find the pacing of that first um, scene a bit slow? Almost like all the, I hate to use the word, but all the extras um, were a little bit too, you know, Mm. Wouldn't that was I almost felt like everything in that was forced because let's like, face it, she interacts with nearly every extra on screen. Um mm-hmm. so you know, I would almost I, like I was, guess you're supposed to think she's an inspector, therefore she's been there for at least ten years or so, ten, fifteen years. So mm. she does know everybody in, in the squad and she, this must be her own sort of personal squad she works with continually. Yeah. Like I said, she's homicide. So maybe it's just to try and have interconnectivity sort of thing but no, yeah I, I, I do agree she goes it's uh, like the pacing is just all off I found that whole scene quite you know bold I was almost tempted to to forward that it was almost like it was um yeah just the pacing was all off it was like it was going too slow it was like mm. it was trying to it was all everything felt forced in it and um uh, all the interactions and things but not just that like it was a hush, it was moving quickly but not going anywhere at the same mm. time that whole scene maybe it's, it's just me 
this was a shoot because doesn't she turn around and say to the fingerprint person, uh, do your entire uh, bedside cabinet? I'm going, he's doing bedside cabinet, love. Why are you tell mm. him his job? And then yeah. she says to the photographer, take photographs of this, take this, that, da, da, da. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, she walks that fine line of being too cocky and too much of a Mary mm. Sue, but somehow Hollander pulls it off as just there. Yeah. Um, so back to Dr. Uh, Hudson. And we see just how bad her agoraphobia is. She can't even get the newspaper from her front fucking door. Because mm. it's just out of reach and it kicks off a panic attack. Making me question if she could do that stuff that she does at the very end. If her agoraphobia is that severe, how did she manage to run away from the uh, the killer and get on the roof if she's this agoraphobic? Um, I'm no expert. Um, but wouldn't fight or flight come into it at some well, point? Yeah, that's true. You know, because at one point she does see she's on the roof and she can't take another step until she sees that he's coming up the stairs behind her, and then she's like, Well, you know, mm-hmm. I have to. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, maybe it is fight or flight, the instinct has mm. kicked in, but to me, that was just a bit too far of a stretch i mean if she's she can't even leave the fucking front door without having a panic attack yet she's on a, a wide open exposed roof i suppose mm. even with some agoraphobics you know there is a moment where you know sometimes you have to do something out with your comfort zone if it means you know survival and her point and her case that her case of you know go on to the roof and create that extra gap hopefully someone will get there in time between her um or stand at that door and be dead in five minutes mm, exactly yeah. Yeah, that's very true that's very very true um so on to our introduction to detective nicoletti played by will Patton. we find out he's mj's ex-boyfriend as he's interviewing some crackpot confessing uh, confessing rather to the killings of the the three women yeah, apparently mm. this happens quite a lot in real life. Yeah. A lot of these people come in and say, oh, I killed such a thing, I've done this, 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 this. And to do it to either get um, attention or to get fame. Mm. And now that had genuine um, mental condition, I can't remember what it's called, but where people, you know, they can't help it. They suddenly hear about, like, let's say, like murder and things, and they become convinced that it was them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, right. and then they are just the bags out for a bit of notoriety that's mm. going yet yeah yeah i mean could you imagine the twitter was a thing in 95 <laughs> god <laughs> oh god it's a nightmare now <laughs> mm. Mm. exactly exactly did you catch that foley is smuggling watching inside the police station as they're yeah. doing he also was at the crime scene earlier when they found mm. the body in the tub. So he's watching them and gloating and loving the fact that these clueless cops are around headless chickens. Yep. So this is the point where Dr. Hudson calls in to help the cops, but they mess with her saying something about a moon bike. And she says, no, it's not a fucking moon bike, it's a lunar cycle, which mm-hmm. some serial killers actually did. I think uh, Gacy. Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zodiac, yeah. yeah. I think Gacy yeah. was a, a lunar cycle. So yeah. mm. the one um there was one from the early nineteen hundreds as well that was did it on a lunar cycle as well. Can't remember his name. Pretty mm. sure it was quite a few. 
Yeah, it's yeah. a it's kind of thing that we see girls tend to do. But I love the fact how they take the piss out of scene. Oh, it's a, it's a moon bike. I'm going, get yeah. a bunch of fucking arse. At your fucking age, no bunch of... I mean, you've got four people killed and you're taking the fucking piss here. You, oh, God. Yeah, out of someone who is actually trying to help. Mm, mm. So we then see MG researching Dr. Hudson using microfiche. Uh, have you ever used that stuff, by the way? No. Oh my god, it gives you motion sickness when you're sitting spinning through the fucking the files and, and the, the, the what are you looking at. It, is such a, it also gives you eye strain, such a fucking migraine. Thank god they got rid of it for, for mm. um, the internet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah, I hated using that. It gives you motion sickness, but yeah, there's that one. Yikes. So, on to an introduction of Dr. Hudson's living butler slash assistant, Andy, played by John Rothman. Uh-huh. Now I love the fact how he mocks her after she's a panic attack. Um, once the MG and Ruben leave her uh, with the crime, crime scene, uh, the crime scene pictures, and she refuses to to help them, and she just has a panic attack. I love the fact how he just sneaks a piss at her, saying, "Yeah, really, you're just a cat lady with camembert and, and rooks a cat piss." I'm going, you son of a bitch. I have a leg. Oh. Mm. Plus, he turns and says, "You thought he was cute, also, Ruben. He was all eyebrows and handcuffs, just your type." And I was going, "Oh my <laughs> god!" But yeah, like I say, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that he has none of her shit. You know, yeah. I mean, for her, yes, but once it's once the the panic attack's over, once the the threat is over, he's basically telling her, "Look at you, we are banging your head." You know? Yeah. Exactly, which I, I suppose is the best way to be with someone when they're, get, when they're taking a panic attack. You know, they're for the emotional support, but once they mean there's no point beating about the head anymore, you've just got to, yeah, precisely. you know, get over it, tough it up. Mm. I love the fact how Weaver has no time for Holly Hunter's quizzing, bullshit quizzes, <laughs> and she shoots her down left and right while <laughs> pill-popping. And yeah. I love the fact she goes, that's the genius thing about having a never you don't give a fuck. And I've got down here, maybe Jimmy Lee Curtis should have took notes from this movie and playing a functional alcoholic pill popper. I mean, absolutely. she is absolutely abysmal as doing that in Halloween 2018. See my review on here, Sean's reviews for that one. I mean, mm. what the fuck did they do to Laurie Strode? If yeah. but that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> maybe, like I said, she should have done what Sigourney did this year, just knocks back the pills, knocks back the booze, and that's it. Yeah. So, mm. so once she comes down, Dr. Hudson solves MJ's puzzle that three of the four cases that were left over, uh, one uh, wasn't a serial killer, and the other three were, that one of them was a... Uh, boyfriend that's killed his wife slash girlfriend mm-hmm. and all the while Foley is watching her from across the street I'm going how does he know where she stays how does, does he mm. yeah because it's never really explained like you know you think he's copying all these serial killers but you know how does he know where she stays because let's face it he's obviously copying uh, Daryl Lee mm. Henry at the end when he tried to kill when he tried to kill Helen, but you know, Daryl mm. was never in her house. 
No, exactly. I mean, the truth is that she's the, the pin-up girl for the, all these serial killers, and they all know her, but would they know her exact fucking address? So, yeah, mm. I, exactly. So the next scene creeps me the fuck right out. He's actually inside the house messing with her as he pulls out the mm. red outfit mm-hmm. as she's in the shower. I'm going, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Yeah, that was a little too unnerving even for me because you're just expecting with all these little subtle things you were expecting a, at least I was a big jump scare that obviously mm. never so I, I seen that and I was like right it's going to be like bloody scream or something she's going to open a cupboard and he's going to come running out at her and mm. it never mm. happened mm. although I suppose this is it's shower scene sort of thing so every, every good horror must have a shower scene so we have that yeah. one that knocks out the shower scene also I've got down here why would she still have that outfit that's a triggering outfit why would she still have that outfit yeah just burn that fucking thing I mean exactly and it's not as if she's got OCD and she can't you know get rid of it mm. I would have been taking for evidence let's face it um, a serial killer tried to kill her when she was wearing that and she was feeling that when an officer dies so wouldn't that be evidence yeah, exactly. I mean, has excuse me, has he even been tried for that cop's murder yet? I mean, it's been 13 months, so... Yeah, that hmm. should still be... Yeah, exactly, that's nowhere near long enough for the trial to have happened. Hmm. Um, unless it's a replacement one. No, she says it's the exact outfit, so... Why would you keep that outfit? Even if it wasn't stevedence, wouldn't you burn that fucking thing? I mean, yeah, exactly. So she, Helen calls MG and Ruben over to tell them three of the four cases is the same guy, i.e. the killer, and mm. the fourth one is a boyfriend or husband. Also, the serial killer lives golden oldies, a.k.a. the Boston Strangler, i.e. the mm-hmm. victim in a tub. Yeah. So she profiles him saying, He's a white male, 20 to 30, with a technical job, fully functioning social climber, and also a bit of a wannabe. So I'm going, so you've just nailed your killer right off the bat then. <laughs> Ryan, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I love the fact she, she just nails him right on. What, he is, a, yeah, he is a, a wannabe. He is, what, 30, would you say? Yeah, yeah easily. Um, yeah, and he is a social climber, so hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, because we see his job and what is it? He works in like a lab or something. Bank is it? Yeah, um, yeah, and like, right, so why aren't they writing this down? You know, I was just like, why aren't you taking notes from her rather than just going and listening to her? Because she just hmm. told you, you know. Without giving you a name, she didn't have one. She just told you who you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why use this uh, criminal psychologist who gave you a profile and mm. not use the fucking profile for crying out It's not until later on in the movie they actually finally use her, her profile. I'm like, what the fuck? You've done that like two or three weeks earlier for crying out loud. Oh, my God. So on to victim yeah. number four. As Foley yet again is videotaping his victim. And this one is a 90s hippie chick at a Woodstock reunion. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. I'm getting a lot of Manhunter from this bit. Yes. You know, I'm glad you... I'm not the only one that picked up on that. Mm. 
Mm. I mean, I was going, oh my God, my hunter, is that you? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says it around, my hunter, is that you? <laughs> Crying out loud. About this, yeah. is, this foley is such a wannabe. It's like, do you have anything original and fresh in your bag of tricks? Or are you just a copycat? Hence the, the, the yeah. title of the movie, you know, copycat. But then most copycat killers don't have anything fresh. The only thing they know how to do is exactly what the person they're copying did. Mm. Oh, that's, that's very, very true. But in Peter's cases, everyone, because he, he copies every infamous serial killer there ever was, apart from Jack the Ripper. Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And here is where the lieutenant is pissed off at MGS called in the feds, saying he ran two serial killer cases, the Zodiac Killer and the Patty Hearst case, that the FBI will give them all the help they need while taking the case away and indeed all of the fame. So I'm going, you're an arsehole detective, uh, lieutenant, and me, all you want is fucking fame. Yeah, all you want is to be the guy that stopped whoever the, ha- the serial killer happened to be, yeah. you know? You just want the notoriety of stopping the copycat killer for crying yeah. out loud. I mean, mm. um, let's see. Was so that night, Foley sends Dr. Hudson a kinky video of his victim screaming from help as the video invites her, you will be next to our scenario. And I'm going, could you do that in 1985? Could you send video clips? Could we download that fast? I mean, I mean, and um, considering this video clip has got a built-in self-destruct mm-hmm. virus on it, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not. I was. My first thought was, I wonder if that's a bit far-fetched for the technology, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. okay, then. okay. Then. Like I say, to me, it's, it seems a bit. <laughs> yeah, it seems a bit mm. too much of a long shot. I mean, in essence, it's a gift he sends her. Mm. Um, as she says, it's a self-destruct virus inside of it. And I'm going, she downloaded that without even running a virus scanner on the fucking thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and she downloads it in a matter of seconds. Would that take forever to download that? So. Mm. Yeah, good. Moving on. So the doctor is now pissed. And she calls MG for help. And Ruben tries to play it back. But, as she said, it has a self-destruct in it. And Ruben has to stay the night. Okay then, this gives her a chance to flip him, calling a, a MJ the wee inspector, you know, I just love that <laughs> bit, it's like, mm. and I'm going, sweetheart, he's what, 29, and you must be in your 50s, calm down, <laughs> <laughs> cougar much, my lord. Oh god, yeah. Um, so cut to Peter being talked down by his wife, and indeed her little dog too, I mean, what the fuck is that dog? I mean, I, I know it's a chihuahua, no but why would you have a, a chihuahua in the bed with you? Well, why not? Mm. I suppose, mm. I mean, it's not uncommon now for people to take their pets to bed. So no, that's, that's true, that's true. true. My, but, my but, ex used to sleep with a cat. Like, yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Mm. it's the reason it didn't last long. Um, but mm. was that his wife? Because I thought that was his mother. No, it's his like, wife. I was like, oh great, another serial killer who's got mummy issues. No, she's just a, a domineering, overbearing wife, but she plays yeah. it as a, as a lush, as a drunk, you know? She goes, yeah. oh, come to bed, I can't watch late night talk shows by myself. Then I'm going, turn the TV off then. <laughs> yeah, watch something else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so then he goes down to the basement to kill the hippie chick using a window, was it a chemical mix to inject her with it, which was a thing that I'm trying to think who done that now. I think it was Gacy done that, I think. He, was that uh, Gacy? And also Dahmer. I, I don't think that was Gacy, was it not? But that, there was, that, was that not the house I... Oh, was that was. But do you know what got, got me about that whole scene, right? He had his uh, hippie chick victim lying on a gurney with a bag over her mm-hmm. head and tape around the bag. So shouldn't she be already dead, let her face it? Yeah. yeah. Also, he cuts that with a mouth, a little mouth, but why should she just fucking scream there and then? Yeah. I mean, she's in the basement of the house. It's not like it's a fucking dungeon. It's a exactly. basement of a fucking house. But yeah, yeah. So the next morning, MG finds her dead body posed on a hill next to a mm-hmm. little dumping sign. It's the Jose Strangler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruben shows up late with the doctor's perfumes and her on him, much to Nikos' annoyance. And they have a fucking fist fight almost. And I'm going, what's the point of you, uh, Nick? Nicknet or Nikos, my fucking name is. She dumps you for a fucking reason. You're a cheater and also get off your high pony, mate, for crying out loud. Yeah. I, when it was shown that, I was like, yeah, you know, crazy stalker X, anyone? I was like, hmm. oh, get over it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. So back, MG goes to the doctor and here she puts it together that the killer is following golden oldies. Mm-hmm. I'm going, didn't you already say that earlier? So why are you repeating yourself here? Um, I love this one. I found it quite interesting. In every single scene Holly Hunter is in, uh, her hair changes style. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, um, did, did you notice um, that every single scene uh, with Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney Weaver's always sitting down because mm-hmm. she was like, taller. Yeah, and it was to make them seem almost equal. Mm-hmm. If she'd have been seen to be notably taller, that would throw off the the way people perceive the the you know the power relationship between mm-hmm. the two. So yeah, because yeah. I think Holly Hunter's five foot two, and Scooby yeah. was six feet two. So that's mm-hmm. a whole foot. That's like wow. that's, that's a hell of a height difference. Yeah. See, I didn't really notice that her um, MJ's hair changed every single scene she's in until it's completely different. Until I watched it today, and I was rewatching. I'm like, oh my god! So does her hair change? <laughs> change his style? I'm going, what the fuck? I mean, I suppose it's supposed to be over X amount of months, so maybe that's why the hair changes style. You know, it's supposed yeah. to be like over four or five months or something. So. Hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, women especially, you know, we, we like to change the hair uh, as often as the weather changes, so. Mm, that's, 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 true. that's true. So we cut back to Foley sending the doctor a greeting card saying she's next, using the victim's face and turning it into her face mm-hmm. because she took a picture of the, the, the hippie chick um, while with the plastic bag on her face. And I'm going, again, could the morphic technology... Like that do that maybe fine. Mm. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that could be uh, either what achievable, if it could be achieved with such precision, with such you know, ease. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. 
So, like I say, it's like, I mean, my computer technology, rather, isn't that great, to be honest. I mean, I'm on use Photoshop, so I don't know if it's that easy, but I'm guessing that's not how that would work in 90 fucking five. But I mean, I have, I have to be honest, I have never watched, photo, I've never, sorry, used Photoshop in my life, so maybe that one, one of the, you know, any listeners that are old enough to remember 1990 Photoshop technology. Mm-hmm. Get the fruity point, is that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, on to victim number six. Is it six or five? Are we not on five? Uh, well, I've got down here. Uh, who cares? Yeah. Uh, a girl in a green VW bug or beetle. Mm-hmm. And we're doing Summer of Sam as she shot in the face. Point yeah. black range. So, we're doing Summer of Sam now, which is Berkowitz. Uh-huh. And I think I love this, as Ruben finds a letter taped to the phone booth addressed to the doctor. Meanwhile, yeah. Foley trips the car alarm to get the cop away from the doctor. And speaking of, uh, speaking of the doctor, she grabs a knife. I just love it. She just pulls this fuck off knife. It's a gigantic fucking knife. <laughs> uh, so I'll notice she's got two locks on the front door. Really love your paranoid agoraphobic and you have two little shitty locks on your front door. How about no? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, you you need a couple more locks there, love. But, yeah. you know. Well, but, do you have fucking uh, magnetised locks for crane out I mean, dead well, books at least? No, not really, because it's not a fear of anyone. Well, at least at, but at the start of the movie, she wasn't really fear of anyone. No, when she first meets MJ, she says, has he escaped again? Is Daryl Lee on the lamb again? And he's like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. This is a different thing. So yeah. she is paranoid. Uh-huh. But yeah, she has two shitty little locks on her door. I'm going, really, I love you. You even have a bolt on the door. You don't have a chain on the door. You have two shitty little locks. But, mm, but then again, Daryl Lee didn't know her address. So. Actually, he did because didn't he send the book to her? So, so he did. Yeah, good point. Like I say, is that didn't sit right with me. I'm going, you're mm. paranoid a serial killer's after you and you have two little Two stips. little Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they so, missed the trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So MJ and Ruben get there. Oh actually Ruben gets there just as Foley runs into the night. I love the fact how Ruben just stands there. She says, Oh you fucking I mean for credit, I'll do your fucking job. Yeah. I was like, run your douche. Hmm. And here the doctor tells uh, MG he's been in there before, leaving the red suit on her bed. MG says, should we be next? You fucking think, love? I mean, she's had not one but two death threats. And you say, oh, you might be next. What you've away, love? The death threats or the fucking videos? Crying out loud. Uh, How did you come to that conclusion? You know, we just never saw that coming. Mm. Mm. Next morning, it's murder by numbers. And I've got to see here, what is it with the police and creepy-ass songs with weird shit in it? Like, for instance, Every Step You Take was about Sting um, following his ex, stalking his ex, after the, the divorce. Yeah. And then we have this one about murder. And, then, and then we have uh, Murder by Number. Mm. I mean, honest to bloody God, what is it with, with the police and or Sting? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Addictive personality, maybe. Mm. So. Serial uh, colour tendency. Mm, possibly, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, Dr. 
Hudson, I've got Hudson here for some reason. Hudson um, sees the notes and pulls up the list of serial killers she talked about during her attack. Uh, therefore, two victims are next. I'm mm-hmm. going, it took you all that time to figure that one out. Really? I mean, you're supposed to be a super smart uh, criminal psychologist and criminal profiler, but it takes you months to figure out he's copying your list. Yeah, but didn't she only come to the conclusion after he phoned her and he could hear that that he was playing part of her lecture back to him? Well, that's true. That's very, very true. Hmm. Um, and here we get yet more of a breakdown on him, a.k.a. he's working in a technical lab job yeah. because there's two sperms, therefore he must work in a sperm bank and all he wants is fame and fortune. He's a wannabe killer. He's a copycat. He's a pathetic, weak, wild human being. Again, mm-hmm. I'm going, why aren't you following up this thing then? I mean, it takes them forever to use this fucking criminal profile. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, see if they would just use the profile from the beginning. You know, would mm. quite as many people have died by the end of this movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I say, the, the, the police in this are woefully inept. Mm, I mean, definitely. Not, not only do you have one of the cops doesn't even lock his fucking gun in the desk, but another one is so mouthy and so cocky that she gets her partner killed. I'm going... These cops are inept. Yeah, they are. They're, they're just, you know, you just think, uh, how could you have been the best that were uh, that got through, you know, the police academy? Mm. Yeah, how did you become a uh, inspector so quick? Mm. I mean, the MJ is what about thirty five? Would you say? You know. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I wasn't so- particularly referring to MJ. I was just talking about everyone else. Really, they were all just about, you know, how could you? Have, you know, let's face it, if these were real people turning up to, um, you know, police academy, would they get through today? Mm, that's very true. You would like to think not, but, you know. I mean, especially since that Nichols guy is a complete, utter, self-centred arsewipe. Mm. And this Rubens guy says, oh, I'm really shy of retiring, yet he's a womanizer. So I'm going, you're a book artist, mate, so... Mm. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And none of these, the, um, especially uh, Ruben and Nico, n- none of the two can keep their uh, personal life away from the job. Like, you know, when, mm-hmm. you know, when Nico thinks that maybe something's going on with uh, Ruben and what's her name? Um, Holly Hunter character. Um, yeah, uh, completely gone. That's <laughs> terrible. terrible. Um, yeah, he's like, you know, they're like standing over a dead body looking for clues and he's trying to talk to her about it and she's like, fucking mind would it work? Mm, yeah, exactly. I mean, he just had all sorts of creepy vibes. I was like, run, love. <laughs> yeah, run for in fact, before it mentioned in the movie that they two were together and she dumped him and it first showed him interacting with her and I got the creepy vibe and I just wrote down, yeah, Nico is, you know, slightly, you know, obsessed with MJ for some mm. reason and then it comes up they had a thing and I'm like, you what? I guess it's because she rejected him. He didn't dump her. 
Therefore, mm. he wants the power back. I mean, a lot of people do that. A lot of these fucking arsehole men do that. They're like, oh, I, you don't me, how dare you? I want, I want my, my power back to dump you sort of scenario. And it's like, fuck yeah. you, douchebag, and fuck yourself, you know? Exactly. Uh, like I say, the main game some people like to play is astronomically insane to me. It's like, fuck off, mm. you fucking go play something else. Just mind you, play my fucking mind, you bastard. Anyway, so on to the one scene that gives me the creeps even to this fucking day. Where Sigourney goes into bed with a fucking hive of ants. Fuck that. Oh my god. I I was like, you what? I, I, they were just, yep. From the minute you see the first one on the floor, I was like, under our um, flipper, I was I mm. out. I mean, apparently we've done that one for real. Nope. Oh my god. <laughs> no, no. That, wow. Yeah, not a chance in the hell you would get me to do that one. So I mean, she finds Daryl Lee's book with a finger on the page, just hanging around waiting for her. So what, she gives mm. her a finger then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, MG's called over, uh, mm. along with the entire fucking police fucking station. But looks at like, what the hell? What the hell? Um, and this is a video call between MG, the doctor, and Cullen. And by the way, was it me or was that video like too perfect for 1985? I mean, yeah. I used to use Skype a lot in the early, early millennium and it wasn't that great. It was grainy as fuck and this one's pretty much crystal-ish clear. I'm going, that's not a video link. <laughs> yeah, I I was thinking, my God, that's better than some Zoom links you get now. Mm. Like one, who are they kidding? Mm. So he tells her that someone has paid him for some of his <clears throat> spirit um, mm-hmm. and he sent the book via his cellmate. I'm going, wait a minute here, so is Peter Cullen a cellmate or did he give the cellmate the book to give to Peter Curtin, a.k.a. Peter Foley? Oh, see, he makes it out like he gave the book to give to Peter Foley, mm. but, you know... You wonder if you can truly trust the word of, let's face it, a convicted serial killer. Yes, yeah, exactly. And the phrase squirrel covers wasn't in the script. No. That was from uh, Harry Connick Jr.'s cousin. And I read it with his brother-in-law. Oh, I've got it down here. I was either cousin or brother-in-law, but he made it up. Yeah, yeah. And Weaver's reaction is real. So, (laughs) hmm. Yeah. And I googled peter curtin aka mm. the vampire of dusseldorf aka yep. dusseldorf monster he yep. killed at least nine women mm-hmm. and he attempted to murder at least 30 women he also yeah. raped a nine-year-old girl he did now, yeah is these, that the guy that ate part of them as well i think so yes yeah mm. these these crimes were done between may 1913 to november 1929 so there was that one. <laughs> um, yeah. I actually heard of this, this Peter Curtin guy. I, mean, I had heard of him. I wasn't, I, I, when I was watching the movie, it didn't um, click to me that um, the name, but I had heard of the monster of Dusseldorf. Again, it goes back to all those years of reading up on them. Mm. And yeah, it's scary to think he got away with that for, what was that, 16 years? Mm. So, mm. 
you know, just shows you what I mean. People get away with it for longer than things now, but yeah, the, the early, you know, nineteen hundred, the um, the oh, last oh, one. Isn't this isn't during, during World of War? World of War. Mm. Anyway, 1950 so, to 1929, that's during World War One. Well, so, ne- World War One, 1914 to 1918. 1918. Yes, so what yeah. that's during World War One. How the hell did this guy run around Germany during World War One, fucking killing people left, right, and centre? I mean, hmm, maybe sure. And, and saying that he would have had the perfect cover because they could have just died, and you know the the German Blitz. Well, the British Blitz, yeah. <laughs> No, but like what the Brit- what the Germans were doing to the the Brit bombing all their cities and things, I you know there's no evidence to say yeah and there, but I'm pretty convinced that we were probably doing the same back to their city. Yes, exactly. You know? exactly. So, yeah. And one thing I don't hear: what is with all these serial killers and this born again Christian crap? I mm. mean. Do you get death row and instantly become a born again? What the fuck? I mean, that's just ridiculous. I I uh, wonder I wonder if that goes back to the whole you know the people that are convinced that when the before when they know they're gonna die and you know they try and convince they confess all the all all the terrible things they've done and make peace with you know God. I say that in inverted comma. Um, mm-hmm. like when they are put to death, you know. They think mm. it's somewhere better, but I'm not a Christian. I don't know my, I don't believe in Christianity. Mm. So. I mean, like I said, every fucking serial killer, as soon as I got on death, oh my god, I'm a born again Christian. Christian, yes. Dharma was him, was it Dharma? I think so, yeah. And yeah, Casey wasn't even on death row fucking a year and he'd like wished. Mm, and really yeah, you hear about it a, a lot. Mm, mm, mm. It's almost like the arseholes are born again Christians. You ever notice mm. that? Some these fucking arseholes and douchebags yep. that are uh, born again Christian, therefore you can act like a cunt. Go and fuck yourself, you fucking yeah. douchebag. Like, I've been mm. saved by God, therefore I can. That's like, you know how I should get um, the. I don't know if you, you get them where you live, but I certainly get them where I live. The. Um, well, they're not even Mormons, but are they? They're Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, God. They're always like recovering alcoholics or recovering junkies going, I've been saved by God. And I'm like, that's great, but I don't believe in God. My religion's got, you know, at least a thousand gods now and close the door. And they're just mm. like, oh, you can't, you're going to go to hell. I'm like, and? Mm. Yeah, you're yeah. standing on my doorstep, I'm already... And you know, like, yeah, I mean, years and years and years ago, before my now partner, with when I was mm. with my ex, I had a job with this couple come to the door and they would not take no for an answer. And I'm like, yeah. get yourself to fuck me. And I had at the time a little gold cross on my neck, and I didn't notice at the time, but it was on my shoulder and it was upside down. I mean, the clock tap, they ran to fuck. So. Never that. They must have thought I was a, I was a um, Satanist, you know. <laughs> but it well, wasn't. in saying that, I've got, um, I've got my pentacle tattoo, obviously, because I'm, I'm a, 
I'm, I'm pagan, I believe in paganism, and I've now got a little, um, it's like a little charm thing, but I put it on mm. there, you know, Satan, I don't know, I'm like, no, actually, I'm, I'm a pagan, I'm mm. quite a spiritual person, I have, you know, and uh, yeah, standing there about a month ago, almost arguing with him, and they're standing there with the Bible, quite, and I'm going, and I'm looking at him going, look, I was raised a Roman Catholic, I could tell you that book inside out, I mm. just believe a freaking word of it, now, get and they came in and said to me oh being a pagan you won't get to heaven being a pagan I went to be perfectly honest my version of heaven if you're going to be in it that will be hell and I and I yes. closed the door yeah you know yeah, yeah. I mean it was the same years ago uh, when I was still in college like in the early 2000s again um I had uh, actually at the time I was a full-on quote-unquote goth because it was 2000 and it was hip to be goth I mean, I had the dyed hair and a smokey, and I had the the, <laughs> the 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 chains and the crosses and such. And I had I'm, this. I don't mean to giggle. It's just, it's just unlike your listener. I know what you look like. <laughs> I can't imagine you a goth. No, 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 I've got pictures and and the leather jacket and the the PVC jacket and the leather trousers and smokey. Um, oh, and well. yeah, I had this gigantic. Um, cross much like the one mm. Buffy had in, in Buffy and again it was we were running down the high street because we were late, late for running the college and it was stuck on on the sort of jacket thing and it was upside down again and this fucking Hare Krishna guy walked up to me and he ran <laughs> away from me going oh my god you're a satanist and was literally throwing panfuss at me <laughs> I was like, oh my god all because I had a three-quarter length leather jacket on and dyed black hair and um, this upside down cross i was going it's a fucking cross and it's stuck because i'm running hmm. so that's down. the way to get that's the way to get rid of the um the, the the, 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 the yeah. Yeah. make sure your cross is upside down <laughs> mm. yeah for crying out loud i mean honestly bloody god it's, it's a complete uh, joke that is so let's get uh, back to this this movie then yes Unless you want to continue on about the take the piss out of fucking born again. No. I mean I could, but let us not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next day, Ruben is shot and killed after MJ fails to control the situation. Mm. I.e. a prisoner uh, tries to escape after Nicoletti fails to lock his gun away, and he basically MG sees the, the the commotion and pulls her gun and shoots the guy in the shoulder because there's a whole bit early on where you don't shoot the guy, you go boom, 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 boom. You shoot him in the, sh- in the exposed shoulder and he'll drop the gun, which uh-huh. it does. However, unfortunately, she only shoots him once. So the guy just rolls over and shoots Rubens right through the heart and he's dead. Yeah. And uh, did you catch the look of shock in MG's or Hall Hunter's face? I should realise he's, I fucked up. Yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole, yeah, you can see that she was looking at him thinking, fuck, he was right at the start, you know, mm. you know, pepper them with bullets, not just one. Yeah, or at least yeah. when you have them down the ground, shoot them again. Don't mm. wait until they pick the gun up and go bang and blow your fucking partner's heart clean out his, his chest. That's it, that's it, um, you know. Like, at least shoot him in the other shoulder so you can't use it to fire the gun. Mm, shoot him in the fucking head. <laughs> yeah. Um. So shaking, MJ quits as does Nickel. 
But the alternative says no, you can't lose three good cops in the same day. He's put one suspension and one in a morgue and he's refusing to take MJ's badge. He tells to her, just go home and get drunk. That's what I'm going to do. That's a great coping mechanism, that is. You know, just get yourself blasted. Yeah, alcoholism. Now, he describes Ruben as a great cop, then. Would you mm. say a great, you know, description word for Ruben? Well, I suppose he is a new um, inspector, and he is supposed to be, quote-unquote, a new cop, a new B-cop. Mm. But I'm going... Um, he's yeah, gone... great. Great. Mm. Would that have been the word I, from what we've seen of his um, approach to his job? Would great have been the word you used to describe him in that moment? Well, maybe well, he uses his, his charms on the, on the ladies and gets all the information. Because I noticed yeah. how when MG was in the, the first victim, well, the, the victim in the tub's house, she mm. let Ruben talk to the landlady while she'd done the actual looking at the body so maybe he uses his masculine charms, charms so to speak to, to charm the ladies hmm. you know i mean maybe he's that or or maybe he is actually a good cop and maybe he's just a bit of a loose cannon so to speak you know he's just a bit of a cocky little douchebag needs to be slapped around a wee bit <laughs> or I maybe mean, it will a case of let's face it he walked down the new guy so hmm. maybe um, yeah maybe it was a case of he could have went on to do a great thing yeah. I, mean, I, I, I personally would have had him as a detective, not as an inspector. But yeah, that's just I could have seen that working better. So, you know, were you upset or that at Ruben's death? I mean, I know you've seen the 20 times that were coming, but... No, but when I first saw it, I was kind of shocked and stunned because it was out of left field. He just got blown away. But I think it's obviously... Uh, telegraph he's going to be killed because MJ thinks she's this greatest thing since sliced bread in essence and she goes oh no no don't shoot him shoot him shoot him on the shoulder and drop the gun and you don't take a life I'm going yeah it's going to go back to bite you in the ass yeah. and it does um, this is why she's now reeled back a little bit and she's more softened so to speak mm. yeah. uh, and meanwhile Foley is killing Andy uh, as he beheads him and I'm going Really, mate, you're trying to say to me that this five foot six man could take down this six foot big burly man? Really? I mean, even with yeah. spike strings. Mm. I mean, and I get that this was obviously the Dharma killing, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, if, if we know of anybody who even picked up an idiot guy to serial killer, um, but would know that Dharma only, only killed men they were attracted to. Yes. And therefore, are they trying to say in any way, shape, or form, you know, Peter was in any way attracted to Andy? It almost felt to me like he did that more out of spite. Yes, it was a Dharma would never have done, and he would certainly never get rid of the body. So that kind of thing, I was like, yeah, don't call, don't refer to that, uh, the Dharma killing. Mm. Because it's not, if anything, it's Dharma inspired, but yeah. It, yeah. you know. I mean, from research I've done doing Dharma, which I've done last yeah. year for my own podcast, uh, he had parts of his victims, like penises and yeah. tongues and heads and hands and such, I'm going, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, he, kept, mm. he, he only killed his um, victim for 
companionship. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, he tried to make a, a sex slave zombie. Yeah. Um, by drilling head, uh, drilling holes in their heads and pouring acid in to try to control them, sort of stuff. And I'm yeah. going, ooh, get in. Sure, what the hell? Died, he, and when they died, he kept the body for company. But um, sexual gratification, if we can say that, you know. But mm-hmm. let's not mm-hmm. make ourselves sick. Um, yeah, sure, what the hell in the gay world you, you could have found a, a subdom? Or somebody who likes to be dominated. Do you know they fucking drill holes ahead and pour acid in for criminal or was I find somebody who likes getting controlled, told what to do, what to do, and how many times to do it? So but then again, um, and wouldn't it be different to you know the person you're attracted to and the person who's going to be um sub to you? You know they're not necessarily the same thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true, I suppose. So, this is a bit what I don't get. MJ runs straight to Helen to tell her that Ruben is dead. Yeah. And they missed Foley at the uh, nightclub. And I'm going, why did you run there? Because she says, oh, I know you. He had a thing. Again, you're not dating him. You're just his partner. So, what the fuck? Where's this bit of jealousy come from all of a sudden? Yeah, I didn't quite get that jealousy reference myself, but um, yeah. And then she she is all soft and, and crying and saying, oh my God, we, uh, Ruben's dead. And uh, I was going, why don't you tell the truth? You fucked up because you think you can control every single situation you're in, where clearly mm-hmm. you, you couldn't and you can't. So... I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure she did mention that in you know, some way she responsible for it. I mean, she doesn't take full blame, but she does sort of mention and, you know, that it, she is uh, partly responsible for mm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose that's yeah. true. That's true. It's very, very true. Mm. So Helen has had enough of this shit and she decides to send Foley an email inviting him to find and kill her if he can using a picture of her in a wedding dress and some random geezer called uh what was it peter what was it peter hill he she sends yeah. an invite um and then it cuts to the station the following day and andy's boyfriend i've got down here question mark question mark question mark hmm, id's foley's face from his license and mm-hmm. now they know his address and I'll, did you catch that andy's driving license is also on that in that list Yes. Of people that drive a gold VW bug. So I'm going, so not only did he know where Helen stayed, not only did he kill Helen's aide slash butler, mm-hmm. but he knew Andy had a gold VW bug. It's a bit stretching credibility there, is it no? Yeah, I was thinking the credibility, you know, a bit lacking in that bit. But yeah, I suppose they were trying to do anything to make it all Mm, mm, yeah, true, true. And it just so happens that uh, Helen's butler slash assistant is gay. So I'm going, hmm, I'm just saying that's San Francisco. I'm saying it's San Francisco. I mean that one. <laughs> <laughs> and here I'm getting huge chunks of silence and alarms as the FBI go to Foley's house mm-hmm. and it goes on fire. Now I've got here fake address, question mark. Is that a fake address or is that his real address? That's his real address. Hmm. So why would you put your real address on your driving license then use the same house to 
kill your victims and would you have another place to go to? I mean, yeah, mostly, let's face it, he's not so much an accomplished serial killer as just, as he is just a, you know, quote-unquote fangirl and copycat. Mm. Um, so, you know, A, you've got to have your real address on your driver's license. Uh, mm. You know, he's not exactly... He's not exactly, from the job he does, he's not exactly got a disposable income where he could just go hire out like a warehouse or a storage unit and use it for that. Mm, I suppose, yeah. I suppose, I suppose that's, true. that's true. But even Buffalo Bill had a second address, you know, where he sends the FBI where Stalin goes to, to get him at the old, the old woman's house when he's got the whole uh, labyrinth under a house sort of thing with the, the pit with a girl on it and the dog and that such. Ooh. I'm going, if you're such a a serial killer person wouldn't you copy the but then again he wanted to be caught because he wanted the the fame oh, and the yeah that's, that's oh. very true so once the house goes up in flames mj knows the doctor is next i've got down here why the fuck should you leave for a loan in the first place you silly bitch well common sense <laughs> you know so doctor is kidnapped and taken to the local college and I've got down here, this cop was a fucking idiot. Why was he being all friendly and palawali to uh, this Foley guy? Then he slits his throat and... Because he's just a cop. So he just assumed there was just another cop sent there to, you know, help him guard her house. Mm, okay. okay. But, I mean, did you catch the cop where he killed as the same cop from the start of the movie? Yes. Yeah, so there of that one. Uh, the poor guy gets killed for it. So I've got down here... Twice. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, twice, yeah. So I'll go down here. Uh, Helen then relives her hanging at the hands of Foley and says, this is mm. fuck he is. Mm. And I'm going, is this the best you can do, mate, is copy an insane serial killer in Daryl Lee Cullen? Because uh, you know, done something fresh and new. I mean, for crying out loud. Also, I'll go down here. So going over broke, um, actually, a nose was broke by uh, William McNamara when he like fought over the, the scalpel, he punched in the face and broke it. No, wasn't he? It was when he broke into the house and he pushed it into the boxes, he broke her nose for real. Oh my God. So that's why when she's hanging there, you see up her nostril and it's all clotted blood. That's her real blood clot. That, that's real? Mm. Fucking mm. hell, I don't, I don't know that. Mm. Although she got her own back. In the fight over the scalpel, she kicked him in the face and broke his nose. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Tip for tat, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But do you know what got me about that, right? She's um, hanging from that, right? And it clearly shows that her feet do not both deep to the toilet um, seat mm-hmm. counter, obviously, <clears throat> the weight and stop her hanging. So how come she's left hanging there for so long? Uh, like, but, you know, because it then shows that she can quite easily put two feet on the toilet panty stop. I was like, eh, make up your mind. One minute she can barely reach, the next minute she can bag someone to reach at. I think it's because uh, but when she's unconscious, sitting in a noose, um, Foley hasn't connected the wire yet. So she's just slack to, to sort of ah, stand there. As when he connects the, 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 the wire, up she goes and she's now hanging from her neck. I think that's how it works because yeah, like I says, but, that bit was kind of went, okay then, your feet can touch it. Yeah, can have a like so one minute your feet can touch and then they can't because you take both feet off and let them hang to try and hang herself. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, continuity, guys, you know, like 
mm. I suppose. Yeah. Although I do love the fact that little Foley says, while you're hanging there, I'm going to slice you up and you'll feel mm. excruciating pain. I'm going, finally, something fresh and new. You're not a fucking copycat for crying out loud. Yeah, I'm just like, thank God you're not just going to copy everyone. Mm. I've got down here, this hanging scene took seven weeks to film. So that must have been fun. Oh, wow. So I also got down here when the doctor kicks uh, the slimy Foley's ass. She kicks him in the face and breaks his nose. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, so, so the doctor has now fought him off um, with, what was it she sprayed him in the face with? Was that like drain cleaner or something that like she sprayed him in the uh, face what, with? Yeah, it just looked like, um, yeah, like drain cleaner or something. Mm. And because, oh yeah, I meant to say, MG runs in after she finds out where they're going because there's a video camcorder and a video tape left where yeah. he goes, oh, you're so smart, come get me and do it alone sort of scenario. And then he finds at the college there's a wheelchair because again he's doing uh, Bundy where he faked injuries and she runs in telling oh tell Lieutenant I'm sorry she runs in to save Helen but she trips on her arm because I'm going if this guy's super smart should it what happens if she actually called for backup waiting for backup yeah Hmm. Uh, how was he um how was he confident that she wasn't just gonna wait for backup hmm Mm. I love the fact also this Peter Foley guy has the strength to carry not only a six feet two Sony Weaver, but that copy kill to switch places with the cop as MG person, he's lying there dead and she shoots him. Or does she shoot him? No, she sees him dead and she tries to shoot the, the, the cubicles and Peter Foley runs out of the, the closet and goes, Look, we'll do we'll shoot her sticker, shoot her sticker. You know, the same thing like that Darrell Lee done earlier in the movie. Uh-huh. And he just blows her away, and I'm going, how did that go through that bulletproof vest to smash the mirror behind her? Yeah, that's I mean, about. Hmm. If that went through the bulletproof vest, then she should have died. Yeah, she gets it twice. I'm going. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll let, no, the first one. I think what I hit with the first one misses. Hmm. One hit the bulletproof vest and obviously knocked her out. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, so in the struggle, um, Helen stabs him in the kneecap with the a shard of mirror, which I've fucking slightly stuck in the throat in my mind. Yeah. Um, and then runs for to the roof, as I said earlier. She's now on the roof and she has nowhere to go. And she just goes, I love that little dance she does. She goes, I don't give a fuck. Nothing but a weak-willed little douchebag who couldn't get up and they could start Lee. So, da, 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 and then she sees MG just shoots him. And I'm going, yay. Although she shot in the shoulder and there's blood pouring out because she's wearing a bulletproof vest. Hmm. Yeah, it was a little bit, you know, far-fetched. And, and then um, I've got down here, McNamara has none of it. He's just a weak-willed pissy little wannabe twat he is not this sadistic serial killer that harry Clinton jr played perfectly in the, at the beginning he's just mm. this pathetic little fucking wannabe absolutely i mean also down here scream four did you take notes he's <laughs> a wannabe serial killer who just done it for the the fame and fortune like sydney's mm. niece yeah for scream four <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, and I love the fact how MG just blows him away, just shoots him right between the eyes, and he's dead. Yeah, just shoots him everywhere and aims for him between the eyes as well, just to make sure. Mm-hmm. So credits roll, and that's copycat. Now, Weaver is everything in this movie. Mm. She and Hunter make a great team here. The writing is pretty smart and sharp, and it needed to get the fucking horror out of its fucking ghettos and ever since. Uh, let me see, it went downhill, what, 1991 or something went downhill? And it was yeah. pretty much nailed to the floor by fucking Freddy's Dead. So, hmm. Mm-hmm. So, this is a great pre-scream thriller. Um, the only thing I didn't like was Foley. He's a second-rate, sad, wannabe, fame-hungry arsewipe. And why? Because earlier on in the movie, Dr. Hunt, uh, Hudson says he's made to suffer, therefore he'll make us feel suffering. What, because his wife liked the dog more than he did? <laughs> what? Hmm. Like I said, he's a pissy little douchebag. So what you say? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Um, Weaver and Hunter are the main reason I think I like this movie a lot more than, you know, I, I think I should have done. Like, I watched it twice today and I thought... I don't know if I should like this movie. Like, you know, you know, like you say, the the main the main serial killer is just he is like a fucking Z left wannabe. I mean, it's a good premise, you know, a copycat movie where the copycat is, is, is copying every single infamous serial killer that's you know they've been hardly, you know, and that's a great movie, but. Why the hell did they pick some fucking twelve-year-old looking boy to do it? And you know, like, and why? Why did they make him so? Why did they make him so? So empty a character. I get serial killers are meant to be, you know, they're seen as monsters, but why didn't they give him more death? Um, mm. you know, I I think about just there's just too many subplot holes going on. For the, I almost feel busy but empty at the same time. This movie, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so I, I think the problem with this movie is this ending wasn't rewritten when they changed MJ from a man to a woman. Mm. I think it's supposed to be a whole romance thing with the Doctor and MJ, but because it was now two women, they sort of went, "Ah, oh, fuck, what are we gonna do with this?" Because you're right, this serial killer is a weak-willed nobody. I mean, he's yeah. a rich middle-class douchebag with uh too much of a perfect life i'm going where is your where is your downside i mean you're fairly well off you get a fairly big house you've got everything you've ever wanted but you won't be a serial killer because you want mm. fame and fortune you want a book written about you i'm yeah. going it doesn't calculate you know so no you know. get no proper motive other than like you say you just want the the notoriety and i'm mm. like well if you look, if you look at like Dharma and Casey, they actually had okay, a pretty warped one at that, but they had a reason for what they did, you know. Um, but you know, I think if it wasn't for uh, especially Sigourney Weaver, I mean, that I had reason that woman says this is the one movie she's ever done in her life that she's more proud of. I thought she, you know, she was superb and And as you know, I'm not really a Sigourney Weaver fan, really. I, you know, I don't. 
you know, she's all right and alien and thing, but I don't go tracking down everything she watches just to see if she's any good. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in this, I really found myself thinking, for why have I never took notice of this woman what before? That's quite, you know, good. I think if they, if she wasn't in it and things like that, I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have watched it twice today. Mm. Oh, that's right. There's another movie that I love just because Scorny Weaver's in it, and that's Heartbreakers. If you find that thing, it is ridiculously hilarious. I mean, there's a scene in it with a, a ceramic penis, and <laughs> I couldn't move for laughing if I saw the thing. So I'll just leave it <laughs> at that. Um, okay. But yeah. Um, if you, I mean, ultimately, if you take away Ghostbusters and Aliens, mm. then I would say this is one of her better movies. Yeah. So, anyway, let's score this thing out of five. One being dog shit and five being solid gold. Now, I was going to give this a five out of five, but think about this more. Wild McNamara is a dead weight in this movie. So I'm going to give this thing a four out of five. He just kills this entire movie. He's just a pissy little wannabe rich boy douchebag. I mean, it's as if, it's as if he's... Mommy didn't even give, give him his allowance for, for the day. So he wants to go and kill people. I want the money. I want the fame. I want the fortune. I want the notoriety. Give me, give me, give me. You know, he sounds like one of these fucking Veronica Salt type. <laughs> so what would you give him? Yeah, I'm giving it a, a three, you know. Um, William McNamara was just, you know, he would have, they could have got someone better to play uh, Peter Foley. Um, so there was and too much going on, but not enough at the same time for the in the movie for me, so I'm giving it three. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. So, thank you for listening. Now, don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at Two Geeks Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, and you can follow Joanne on Twitter at Two Geeks Joanne. Thank you. And we can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Two Geeks Talk Movies. If you want us to f- to do a movie for you, uh, email it to. Uh, so again, email it to us at twogeekstalkmovies at gmail.com. Now, our next podcast will be a comedy of terrors, which is a mid-60s Vincent Price movie. Yeah. And this will be interesting because I love Vincent Price movies. And mm. also the next movie will be Hocus Pocus. So, mm. eh... Festive, festive, Halloween fair. Fuck it, a festive treat for you there. And if I can be arsed, we may have a Halloween special. Yeah, well. <laughs> so all we can see is Comedy of Terrors will be an interesting um, experiment. Oh, well, not experiment. Interesting time. So with that, I'll say goodbye. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, on that, I'll say goodbye. Bye.